You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. You can visit us online at theriverdurant.com. We hope this podcast is a blessing to you and you can even bless someone else with it. We suffer a disconnect because of religion. We've been told that there's a spiritual life and then there's a physical life. And that disconnect sometimes is that mindset that thinks that the two shall not meet. The separation of church and state. It's kind of like that mindset. Like, oh, well, this is my spiritual life and over here is my physical life. And I, just like I said earlier, a lot of people believing in a salvation to go some, to, in a God they'd never met, to go to a place they'd never been, to live a life for all eternity. And they can handle that in their spirit, but they can't be happy on earth. See, that's what I call a disconnect. Because, see, in the book of John, chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was in the beginning. And it says that everything that was created was created by the Word. Everybody say, by the Word. So the Word created everything, the things that were unseen and the things that were seen. So just like He created the unseen spectrum, the Word also created the physical spectrum. So the word affects the spiritual and the word affects the physical. You don't have to wait. It's not, well, I'm going to believe this and hold on so someday I can have what the word says. Here's something about the promises. I'm going to tell you something you probably haven't heard and that's a little play on words, but, but it's okay. Sometimes it helps you trigger something in your mind that you don't have any promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. You know that song, right? You're not standing on any promises. You don't have any promises. You don't have a promise of healing. You don't have a promise of prosperity. I thought I was supposed to believe in four promises. That's old. See, they were given those promises in the old covenant. The promises of God are yes and that means they're not promises no more. That means they're reality. See, if I promise I'm going to do something, that's a promise until I do it. And then once I've done it, it's not a promise no more. It's reality. God made us promises and in Christ Jesus He made them reality. And remember what we talk about heart physics. The first law of physics is that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So if I tell myself I must become a Christian, you're just told yourself you're not one. If you tell yourself I must become something, you've just told yourself that you're nothing. If you tell yourself, I must be valuable, I need to do something to be valuable, you've just told yourself that you're not valuable. Do you see what happens? For, and the same energy and effort that you put toward becoming something you're not, you're sinking and solidifying the very fact that you're not what you're trying to become. Thus you create this cycle of trial and error and defeat, trial, error, and defeat. And pretty soon when you... See, most people, what they do in their lifetime is they only know what to do. And so what they do, they just... 
well, it didn't work last time, so I'm going to try it harder. So when you do something stupid and it didn't work, well, I'm just going to try it harder. What's that mean? You're just being stupider. That's theological talk right there. I got that from Greek. You know what I'm saying? In Hebrew. You're just being stupider. It's not about trying what, you, what didn't work again, but doing it more intensely. It's time for us to start seeing the, what the Bible says and seeing how the Word says for us to live and then just change the way we think and fall in line with the way He's already given us to walk and live in and walk in that. Just like we were talking about earlier, it says most people are trying to grow in faith. I just got to grow in faith. I was taught that in Tulsa. Well, before you could believe for a whole wardrobe of clothes, you got to believe for a pair of socks. Bless God. And then I said, well, wait a minute. I'm going, I'm loving a God I've never seen. Going to a place I've never, I mean, that hit me. And I went, wait a minute. I've been given the measure of faith. I got enough faith. The stuff we're taught in church, we, we, we really need, if you can do yourself a great, a great favor and ask the Holy Spirit to begin to pluck out stinking thinking. Begin to pluck out doctrines of demons. Because any doctrine that doesn't line up with the word is not from God, it's from somewhere else. Because it's keeping you from walking in the freedom and the reality that Christ has set you free in. Like I said, if, if you're believing for one of the promises to be fulfilled, you're reassuring yourself you don't have a promise that's fulfilled. Do you see how it works? So the promises of God have already... The promises of God are what? Yes and amen. Yeah. Everything that pertains to life and godliness has already been given unto you. Everything. It's not a promise. It's yours in the realm of the Spirit up and flesh. Just like the Word says it's happened in the Spirit... It has already happened and can happen in the flesh. Well, why don't I see it? Because of the disconnect. That is the disconnect that we deal with in the renewing of the mind. We need to renew our mind to the, the same principles that we live in in the spirit are there and available for us to live in in the flesh, right? Are you, don't people always say, well, you're healed in the spirit. You can have the healing in the flesh because you've been healed in the spirit, the problem is, they say, well, you just need to do something to get it. No, you don't. You just need to believe it. You just need to come to the realization. Your thought patterns need to come in line with the truth of the gospel. There is just such a disconnect. So many of us live in a spiritual life without realizing that the same things that affect the spiritual life can affect the physical life in the here and now, in the right here and now. Not through your performance, but through Christ's performance. Man, I tell you what, there's, uh, there's such a powerful truth in this. If we could ever get our minds to understand, and that's why the scripture says not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Now, one of the verses we talk about on an ongoing basis on Wednesday night when we talk about heart physics is, Psalms, uh, is Proverbs chapter 4, uh, verses 20 through 23. Anybody ever heard me quote those before? Hide, your wor hide his word in your... For, for what's going to happen 
Because if you hide the word in your heart, the spiritual word, the spiritual seed, if you hide that word in your heart, it will be life to your body. It will affect your flesh. It's already there to be done. Remember, the promises of God, you don't have promises, you have reality. I don't know if I, I just feel like... How far back did that? Did anybody get it back there? I don't know how, how long, many times in my life I've, I've claimed one of the promises. Quit claiming the promises. Start claiming the reality. It's already done. Start thanking God. Remember what we talked about, about the keys to the kingdom of heaven? The keys to the kingdom of heaven on this earth. What's the master key? Anybody remember? Thankfulness. Thankfulness is the master key to the kingdom of heaven. It, it gives you access. I tell you, just start being thankful for what all the things God's already done. How many people believe in for healing? Quit it! How's that? Start thanking God for health. And as you start thanking God for the health that He's already provided, healing will take place. See, it, it's like it, it's like the church has taught us to ask God for our, to make your need make your needs be made known. I know what the scripture says. I mean, what does the Bible say? Listen. Jesus had a need to feed the 5,000. He didn't stop and take up the loaves and the fishes and say, God, I don't have enough to feed 5,000. Meet our need in the name of myself. Amen. <laughs> he didn't do that. You know what he did? The scripture says he fixed his eyes on what was in heaven. Yeah. He said, bless this according to that. Yes. Don't bless this according to this. He said, bless our situation according... I want that. You know how we know that? Because God in return gave more than enough. See, most of us are just after our need. Listen, listen. if, if you need healing... This is deep. If you need healing, you'll need it again. If you need healing, it's like God just provide. I, I got a need. I got an electric bill. We just provide my electric bill, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Money shows up for electric bill. Guess what you're doing next month? <laughs> Lord, I just need electric bill money. And all you're doing is asking God to provide for your need instead of, oh God, thank you that you've already provided everything that pertains to life and godliness. And I thank you that I operate according to your riches in the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in what He's already done. Most of us are still trying to get God to do something He's already done. And remember, laws is physics, heart physics. If you're trying to get something, that means you're telling yourself you don't have it. So if you just start thanking God for healing, I mean, don't get me wrong. I want everyone to be healed, but I want more than that, I want you to walk in divine health. Don't, don't get me wrong. See, that's where people take me kind of, they say, well, you're not a very good pastor. You don't care. Listen, 
I care probably more for you than you care for you because you just want your needs met. I want you to walk in the kingdom. I want you to walk as ambassadors, not sheep. I want you to walk more than conquerors. He did the conquering. You're supposed to do the ruling and reigning. You're supposed to lay your hands on the sick and they will cover. Most people are still asking God to heal the sick. He told you to. Because you have been given all authority and power. Are you saying we're God on earth? You are the extension of God on earth. He's not coming down to do it no more. He's already done it. It has nothing to do with the message, by the way. Sorry, I don't know where I got that off of. What? That's Yeah, until I look at the clock. All right. Turn with me to the book of Romans. We may have to skip a lot for the sake of time. Romans chapter 5. And I, I can't get off. My, my, I've got so much going through my heart uh, about sonship. Does anybody remember what we've talked about two weeks ago about sonship? I tell you, did I say something wrong? Everybody's leaving. Is that, am I okay? Should I wait? I guess we should have taken, taken a break. I tell you, the, 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 the revelation of sonship to... And I know we've all heard those scriptures... But I sat in the woods sitting around the campfire, which was easy because I was by myself because Christopher likes to sleep. So even though he was, I mean, I know we went together, but I was by myself a lot. And, uh, and uh, just, just to th I had so much time to meditate on just, the, it just blows me away to realize that nobody before Calvary ever called God Father. And God didn't call anybody before Calvary sons. Adam was not a son of God. He was one that was created. He wasn't birthed. Man. Moses, Elijah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... The Jewish people were called the children of Israel. They weren't children of God. There's only one reference I found in the entire Old Testament. One out of 1,162. Where somebody referred to God as Father. And that was King David who had a new covenant relationship in an old covenant dispensation. And he only said it one time. And it was more like, well, he is the beginner of everything instead of the relationship. But that just blows me away to realize that they did everything they did and they weren't sons. The Bible even says in the book of Romans that angels are looking into what we are because they didn't know we were coming. We were a mystery. There was a mystery that was hidden from the beginning of the ages that nobody knew about. The prophets didn't know about it. The angels, the devil, it was hidden, a secret that was hidden in God. I like what the scripture says. In, in the book of Ephesians, Paul says 
that, this, that there was a grace that was given to him to preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. It says, and to make all know what is the mystery. You know, watch this. You know, here, here's something I want you to remember. Paul didn't teach the history. He taught the mystery. A lot of churches are teaching the history of the Jews instead of the mystery of the Creator. It's not about the history of the Jews. Can you learn? Sure you can. Man, I learn every day from, from things in the Old Covenant. But Paul didn't preach it. He taught the mystery, not the history. He forgot his history so he could preach the mystery. Wow. Think about that. This is too cool. It really is a simple gospel. Paul also said in Corinthians that he worried about a group of people because he was afraid that they would, like Eve was, deceived in the simplicity of her mind, I mean, in her mind, turn or be deceived from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. Because in Christ Jesus really is a simple thing. And we're going to begin on Wednesday night, we're going to start talking about more in detail things, you know, uh, things of the heart and things like that. But if you look at Romans chapter 5, and we've got three passages of scriptures we're going to hit on real quick. Uh, I'm going to start with verse 1. Therefore, now you can't say therefore without going back and talking about what was before the therefore. Because therefore is talking about what was before. And so once you know what's before, then you can know what's talking about the therefore. Got it? So I'm going to tell you what he was talking about before he said therefore. Because right before therefore, in the passage of Scripture before this, all he has done, and I don't mean all like it's in a... But what he has done in the chapter before this is solidify the fact that faith, that Abraham's faith in believing is what is accounted to him as righteousness, not by his works, but because of his believing, that he was justified not by works, but by his faith or his believing or his trust in God's word. See, he heard the word. I tell you what, that's another thing that's I'm seeing. I'm starting to under, underline everywhere, and I, I got one in here. If we get to it, wait a minute. Maybe we're at the scripture. Nope. Okay, but but the scripture says that faith comes by hearing. And then hearing comes by the word. So the word produces a hearing, a revelation. And from that revelation produces faith. But what word is it that's being heard? See, just like we talked about when, when Paul said to, to, uh, about Eve, he said, I'm worried that like Eve, you be deceived in your mind from the simplicity that is in Christ. How did she get deceived? We talked about this before. How did she get deceived? Why did the devil come to her? Why did Satan deceive Eve? And how could she deceive Eve? Well, here she is standing in the garden. Do you realize that she quoted the law of God wrong? She said, well, God said that you shouldn't even touch it. Is that what God said? Well, why did she misquote God? Because she never heard it. When God spoke to Adam not to eat, she was still a rib. And so she was told the word, she didn't hear it. And see, the problem in the body of Christ, people come to church and they get told the word, 
but they don't hear it. The, the law or the ways of God get passed on by people telling, but it doesn't become theirs. See, Adam didn't get deceived, but who heard the Ten Commandments? Who was supposed to hear the Ten Commandments? You realize it was God's will to address the entire children of Israel with the Ten Commandments? It was God's will. And the children of Israel said, Oh no, we're scared. You are our pastor. You go up to the mountain. You hear from God and come tell us what he said. Well, Moses never had a problem with the Ten Commandments. You know why? Because he heard. The children of Israel always had a problem with the Ten Commandments. Why? Because they were told. That's good preaching right there. I mean, you just need to get a hold of that. So it's not about you getting information. It's not about you coming to church and hearing information about what the Bible says about Jesus. I don't want to tell you. I want you to hear what the Word says. Because when you hear, revelation's going to come forth. When revelation comes forth, it's yours, and then you're going to have faith to live it out. Look what it says here. It says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Notice the first thing that the Apostle Paul says comes from this whole therefore thing about being justified by faith is peace. You can talk about healing, divine health, you can talk about prosperity, you can talk about provision and destiny and all this kind of stuff. You can talk, Listen, the first thing you need to understand is peace. And that's why we're so strong on the gospel of because the church really has not heard the gospel of peace. They've heard the word peace, and they think it's shalom, brothers and sisters. It's not shalom. It's a Greek word called irene. It's a powerful word that we have peace with God. Because if you don't think... See, if, until you understand that you have peace with God, you'll always be working for it. Remember what the law of physics is. For every action, there's opposite equal... If you don't think you have peace with God and say, I must make peace with God because of the way I've lived in my past, you'll always, if you think you have to do something to get something from God, you're telling yourself you don't have it, even though it's already been given. And if He's already been given and you think you've got to do something to get it, He can't, all you've got to do is change the way you think because He can't go beyond your will. He's already done it, but you won't experience it until you change the way you think. Listen, we have peace with God because of Jesus Christ, period. Amen? Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Oh, man, I tell you what, we could stand right here and preach for two months on that little part. In which we, uh, we stand. See, we stand in grace, but we walk in... Man, it's faith and grace together. I tell you, everywhere you talk about grace, it's talking about standing. I tell you, and you can be so heavy on grace that you never do nothing. It takes faith. But if you're out there in faith and not standing in grace, you're going to wear out. You understand it? It's the paradox of Christianity. It's not about grace. It's not about faith. It's about grace and faith. You've been saved through grace and faith. 
By grace, you've been saved through faith. I mean, boom, they work together. It's a double-sided coin. You know, just, the kingdom has coinage, has currency. If you take a coin and you rub off one side of the coin, the United States government does not honor that coin anymore. You realize that? You've devalued the coin. You've made what was worth something nothing. Just like faith and works. Faith is a double-sided coin. You may have faith, but if you don't have works, you've devalued your faith. For that coin to work, you have to have faith and works. You have to have faith and grace. It's the paradox of Christianity. It's just not one or the other. It's both. Okay? Let's go on and read the rest of this. Verse 2 says, Through whom also we have access by faith into his, this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope. Man, of the glory of God. And, do, uh, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. What? Anybody go through anything bad lately? You're supposed to glory in it? It's not saying you're supposed to be all thankful for this tribulation. What it's saying is that the truth of the spiritual is greater than what you're seeing in the physical. That this over here is so much brighter. That hope, what's it say here? It says that we rejoice in hope of the glory. The word glory is the reality of God. That this reality is outshining this circumstance. That's your tribulation. But you go through this tribulation with this attitude. Hope. In the book of Hebrews chapter 6, it says hope is a confident expectation. Excuse me. The word hope definition literally means a confident expectation of good things to come. All right? A confident expectation of good things to come. Well, most people have a confident expectation of negative things to come. And it's from your confident expectation you get what you confident expectation about. It's whatever you are confident about you're going to experience. If you're confident about a negative, what's going to happen? Yep, it can happen just like I thought. I always get sick this time of year because you had a confident expectation of what happened last year. But see, if you have a confident expectation of good things to come, see, we all have faith. I, I don't know. Everybody in the world has faith. Some people use it for the things of God, and some people use it for the things of the world. But we all have a gift of faith. It's just what knowledge are we, let, uh, what knowledge are we allowing to affect our faith? Because you're having faith for something. Aren't you? Let's talk about the future of America. How many people have a confident expectation of a good thing to come? You're going to get what you're confidently expecting. Because you're having a hope. That's what that confident expectation is. Hope is a confident expectation of a good thing to come. That's the faith in God. But a lot of us are having a confident expectation of negative things to come. But it says this hope, when we hope in the glory, it's going to affect our tribulations. Now, you're going to go through tribulations. 
Amen? How do you want to go through it? With a confident expectation of good things to come or a confident expectation of negatives to come? It's your choice. God's not going to hit you over the head. Boom, stupid. He's not going to do that. He said for you to put your, His Word in your heart so you can be in control of what you experience when you go through your tribulation. You are in control not of the tribulation. You are in control of how you go through the tribulation, the trials, the situations. You're in control of how you go through this. You know, the book out says, why, why do good things happen to bad people? Subtitled, Life. <laughs> it just happens. It's not God. God's not there. I'm blessing this one. I'm blessing that one. No. He's blessed all men. He didn't just save you. The scripture says that Jesus is the Savior of the whole world and especially those who believe. Are you going to be one of those that believe His Word? Or are you just going to do what the world does? This, this Word's telling us here that we have the option on how to go through tribulation. I'm going to read this again. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character and character hope. Now you're saying, how many people have heard the Scripture says, Yeah, but Pastor, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Anybody ever heard that one before? Now see, we're going to deal with that stuff over here on Wednesday night. Hope deferred makes... Does anybody know what scripture that is? Everybody heard that scripture, right? Right? Am I just talking just... No, you've all heard that scripture? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. See, that's telling us that, that, that it does happen. That if you take hope and you postpone it uh, for a long period of time, you'll your heart will be affected by that disappointment. But that's an old covenant scripture. See, that's man's hope. That's the way it worked in the old covenant when it was all based on you. You know what it says in the new covenant? Well, how come everybody can quote the old covenant, but we can't quote the new covenant? This is what it says in the new covenant. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. Listen, the old covenant says hope deferred makes the heart sick. The new covenant says hope doesn't disappoint because it's the love of God that's been poured out already. So what we're looking at here is what happens. This here, because of this truth, because there's this great divide, this, this disconnect, we're saying, oh, I'm just hoping in Jesus. But we're not experiencing it here. Because you're really not, you, you've limited the truth of the word to the spiritual life, but not the physical life. And you've got to remember that everything that was made was made by the Word, and the Word affects this, and the Word affects this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and He took the earth, and He took His Spirit, and He breathed into this, and man became a living soul. We're going to talk about spirit, soul, and body on Wednesday night. It says, did God, He's in charge of the Spirit, right? He's in charge of the soul, right? And He's in charge of your flesh, right? 
as much as He cares about your spirit, He cares as much as your flesh. He didn't do what He did just for your spiritual man. He did it for your physical man. So you could be a walking testimony of the goodness of God. Let's look at what it says about David. Uh, King David in the in, in book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, watch this. Watch how this works. Acts chapter 2. This is where uh, King David is being um, quoted. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. Watch that. Listen to what he said. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. Wow. The first thing we see here is that David is saying, for his flesh, his flesh was affected by the resting in hope. I tell you, so many of our, our lives are, so many of this over here, this whole, everybody say flesh. It's not just talking about this, it's talking about the life that I now live in the flesh. It's talking about this realm of the scene. David's saying that his realm of the scene, his flesh life, the life that he sees. What's the scripture say about faith? That God spoke those things that are not as though they are and were. So, so in other words, he took this truth and saw this truth in this reality. That's faith. It's seeing this manifested here because it's just as important to God that you experience it here and here. The scripture says we're supposed to be sanctified. Spirit, soul, and... Everybody say it. Body. We're going to talk about that Wednesday night. The body. We've, the church has... Oh, that's just the flesh. Yes! It is! But that flesh is going to be moved by your hope. It said right here that his flesh rested, or it was at peace, because the hope that was in his heart and he had hope in his heart. See, what is the area of your soul, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, and your will? Feelings. Everybody say feelings. feelings. I'm going to date myself. Feelings. <laughs> Nothing more than feelings. Trying to forget. Oh, those feelings. Of, my wife's gone. Oh, hear me. All right. Anyway. It is about your feelings. The church has been told, forget about your feelings. No, God wants you to feel His love. He wants you to feel life. He wants you to experience goodness. Tangible, touch it. He made it. Quit ignoring it. Just turn it over to God in this aspect. You've been living according to your feelings over here without God. Everything you do in your life is because of the way you feel. I don't go to church because I didn't feel like it. Duh! That's how important feelings are. You want to feel like going to church. And if you understand what He's done for you in the Spirit, you're going to feel like it over here. Oh, I don't feel like giving. That's because you don't understand it's already been given. 
See, when you feel his prosperity, you're going to be moved by it. What happens when you feel stinginess? I get the gift of stingy. Don't get me wrong. Man, when it comes... Wait a minute. We got a... I'm sorry. We got a server. You still working over at Cotton Patch? Oh, good. Anybody else work in the restaurant industry? Steakhouse? Is that where you're at? Oh, you're just a server there. Don't give me bad service. You go hungry. I stand you. But, you know... Anyway, but see, this over here, the life now I live in this flesh, I need to live according to this over here. And that happens by hope is what, what bridges the gap. We're not supposed to have this disconnect. Religion wants you to have it. The kingdom doesn't want you to have it. In the kingdom, it's not about this someday. It's about having that over here today and living and breathing in the, in the reality of God. See, God's not a healer. In the old covenant, he was a healer. He is healer. Healing is what he does. You can't have God in your heart without having healing in your presence. I mean, you've been given an inheritance. Where's that inheritance? It's in Christ. Where's Christ? He's in you. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. On the here and now, I can be. This world can be affected by that reality, and hope is the key. Let me read this to you again because it's so powerful. It's so powerful. This is what David said: "For I foresaw the Lord always before my face." And I got a question: That didn't happen. Let's back up. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. Moreover, listen to it. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope. See, that is a response. That is a response to the condition of his tongue saying things. What, what, what came out of his mouth? Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was what? Glad things came out of his mouth. Why? Because the condition of his heart. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. If you're whining and complaining, guess what's in your heart? Whining and complaining. If you've got miserable words coming out of your mouth, you've got a miserable heart. It's that simple. It doesn't take a rocket science to figure this out. You don't need counseling. You need the counselor. I mean, you need the word. You probably know the word. You just need to implant it in your heart. You got it in your head, but it's not in your heart. Get the word in your head. That's in your, get it down to your heart. You'll see the, your heart begin to, begin to talk about the things that are in your heart. You always talk about the things in your heart. You get around Greg C., I tell you what, he likes pig hunting. You, you get around both of us together, we're talking golfing. You know why? We like it. It's in our heart. I'll go one step further. You get us talking about our women. Mm, we love our women. So we talk about our women. You know what I'm saying? Because it's in your heart. That you're supposed to say thank you for saying that. That was a... You pay me later. Anyway. Checks <laughs> in the mail. 
But you see what I said? You talk about what's in your heart. So if you hear someone talking about how the, the, just being happy, that's because they got happy in their heart. Out of an ugly, ugly brook, you know, ugly well, you know, ugly water comes from an ugly well. You know, you got it. And now, what what made David's heart be able to overflow with gladness? So was, what what made his heart be able to speak from its mouth? The first verse says this. I kept the Lord always before me. Wow. Are you keeping your circum... Are you keeping this in front of you? Oh, 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 oh. Are you keeping this in front of you? Oh, oh, oh. Because if you're keeping this, oh, oh, oh. It's going to come out. If you're keeping this in front of you, and this will affect this. And ah, oh, always keeping the Lord before you will cause your heart to have hope in the midst of trials. So the trials, I tell you what, I know I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it again. And I have finally gone over five minutes. You know, it's the first time I've gone past 12 o'clock. I just blame it on the good praise and worship. <laughs> or the announcements. <laughs> but Jonah was in the belly of the whale. This is deep theology. You know, you didn't get this in Bible school. Okay. You ready for this? Jonah was in the belly of the whale, right? And uh, he was disgruntled. And he was saying, I don't want to do what God says I want to do. And so he got in the belly of a well. He's down in there, and he's in the moorings of the earth. And you can't get lower than that. Moorings of the earth is the very bottom of the oceans. Seaweed all around him. He cries out. He goes, ah. He's telling the story. He goes, my soul fainteth as if I was dead. I mean, life is rough. When, that, when you're in the belly of a well, and you got seaweed, and, and you know all that kind of stuff's inside the fish's belly. I know. I just played a couple of them. It's stanky. Everybody say stanky. You, yep, you're Southerners. Okay. And you know what he did? He was there for three days. I've always wanted to learn what the duration of a digestive system is in a fish. But you realize he was going to come out one way or the other? There's a whole lot more pressure coming out the other way than coming out this way. Vomit was the best word he could have heard. Oh, Lord, let me be vomit, because I surely don't want to be... <laughs> poo. Fish poo. Because his circumstance was going to change. Your circumstance is going to change, people. How do you want to go through? And what changed his circumstance? Oh, the Bible says he remembered... His God and got his eyes on the Father in his circumstances. The old fish's belly just begin to like that gravy from, from Carl's just begin to churn. And the worship of his God in this situation just be, couldn't take it and begin to <laughs> That sounds good on the tape too. 
expel him. His circumstance, he, he chose the way to come out because he was going to come out. It's your choice in life. Go ahead and come out as fish poo. Go ahead. I'll remember your God and fulfill the purpose that you were called for. Amen? Let's stand up. Hallelujah.